Hey there, badasses. This is Yanni, the Win Woman. And on this week's episode of Building Badassery, we will be going over chapter one of my latest book, Building Badassery, a guide to stepping into your own badassery and to staying there. And I have to share with you that this episode is probably going to be one of the heaviest episodes that you'll listen to from me because it's going to deal with a lot of different heavy topics. I want you to brace yourself for it. And this is the reason why I'm giving you this intro because you've got to be in the headspace for it. And this is your forewarning before listening to the episode. I'm going to be covering themes in my own personal life that deal with family denial, deal with domestic abuse, deal with how to get out of uncomfortable situations. These are all mental health, mental wellness. These are all topics that we're going to be diving into in this week's episode, and I want you to be prepared for what you're about to listen to. And so if you're not in the mental space to listen to this episode today, that's okay. Stop now before proceeding forward, because these are themes that I don't want you to listen to without being the right headspace. So I'm excited because I think that these are themes that need to be addressed. A lot of times we tend to avoid it, but I'm going to be here right by your side, holding your hand and also sharing vulnerably how I overcame these things. So buckle in for this week's episode of Building Badassery. I knew I would always support my mother. I also knew I had to get the fuck out. I had to make a change. I could no longer follow my mother on this path of unpredictability just because that is what she chose for her life. What about what I wanted to choose? I wanted more. I deserve more, damn it. She did too, but I finally realized I couldn't make that choice for her. I could make it for myself though, so I made an agreement with the only person that mattered, me. I was not going to let my past define my future. I started simple back then. I wrote down what I wanted and how I was going to get there. I wrote down what I didn't want and how I was going to avoid it at all cost. Badasses, this episode of Building Badassery will be focused on chapter one of my Building Badassery book. Buckle in, because it's about to get heavy. Chapter one is all about drafting a badass agreement for moving forward, right? So we come from the moment and we're coming from a space that we've had enough about something. We've had enough of accepting the same whether it's had enough of the job that we're in and the position that we're in, or we've had enough of a person in a relationship, or we've had enough of 
family and, and accepting things the way they are, whatever your enough is, this is now the next step of moving forward of how do you choose to set this tone and set these boundaries. And I love the, the opening quote, which really sets the tone for the book. And I'll say that every, every chapter you'll see an opening quote from a person I admire, celebrity, what have you, influencer. This is from Joy Page. Dream and give yourself permission to envision a you that you choose to be. And it's interesting because the permission that we allow ourselves to have comes with setting expectations and being really clear about what we want and what we don't want, which is all about this drafting of a of a badassery agreement or a, bada- a badass agreement is understanding what do we want, what we don't want. You'll see that in the chapter, I ask you to, to evaluate a couple of questions and to really, really reflect. I'll read you some of these questions now so that you can see, right? This is how you start with the basics. Where do you want your life to go? What are you willing to risk to get there? What are you not willing to risk? What is more important to you, most important to you? What are your priorities? What are three things yet you need to change right now? I'll repeat that one again. What are three things that you need to change right now immediately? I say these things because before we make this badass agreement, and I do give a template in the in the book and in this chapter of signing this for yourself, right? And the thing that I am advocating for the most in the book is really putting yourself first. And a lot of times that comes last, right? For a lot of us, we don't come first, we come last, but unfortunately we can't take care of others the way we want to if we don't put ourselves first, if we're not showing up as our best. So I'll share with you a lot of how you move forward in once you've had enough and you need, you've made the decision, all right, I know I need to change something in my life. I need a plan to get out of here. And this is what I'm going to implement to get out of here. So I'm going to share with you the first ever badassery agreement and the story behind how that came to be. So we've reached the moment in our segment where I share a personal story that relates to this week's episode to tie everything in together. So it's motherfucking goose time and here it goes. This personal story is one that led me to draft my first ever badass agreement. At that time, I'm going to be real. I did not think that this was going to turn into any badass agreement that I was going to one day talk about to other people. I just knew that at that time in the situation that I was in, I needed to draft something of the things I wanted and the things that I knew I did not want in my life and really make the agreement for myself that I was not going to allow myself to come back to that situation. I'm going to tell you something about me and about when I make up my mind for things. I have a really high tolerance for accepting things or really being compassionate. I have a high, high tolerance for it, but I'm going to tell you that moments in my life when I have had enough, I can't take it anymore. 
and I've made a definitive decision that I need to move on are moments that I, that I feel unstoppable in the sense that nothing is going to get in my way to the goal that I have. And so I'll share with you that I grew up with an alcoholic father and I'm an only child. And it's hard because, you know, for those of you who have grown up with alcoholism in your household, who are family members of alcoholics, friends of alcoholics, or even drug addicts, there is a type of behavior that you learn or an avoidance that happens. And I'll tell you, a lot of my life was avoidance. And a lot of my life was almost pretending. I always think about the, I'm a big Frasier fan and I'll never forget. There was an episode with Niles and I think he, he had married, um, and I forget her name, but married one of the characters, but he wanted to be with Daphne. And what ended up happening was that you had to put your party face on, right? Cause they were social elites and they were going to, instead of just divorcing quickly, give the persona or give the, the air of everything was okay and everything was all right for a period of time. And then she would sign the divorce for him. So that was one of the episodes of Frasier. I'm a big Frasier fan and putting on my party face. I related that so much because I will tell you that a lot of times growing up in a Latin household, in a Cuban American household, these were things that you were told to do. And when you came from a moment of, or when you came from a place of, you know, we didn't talk about our problems. And if we did, nobody asked about it. It's like everybody knew that something was going on, but nobody cared to, to step into it. And that's the reality of how I grew up. My dad, I think when I finally became conscious that as a kid, that the things that my dad was doing weren't correct. I had to have been in my, you know, it was my early childhood, but it was more so maybe I was like eight, nine, 10 years old. And then when I hit puberty, that's when it like all came to together for me. And my father, who is a person that when I was a child, I idolized. I love my dad. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, even though I'm telling you this story, this is not about making my father the villain of the story. That is not what I'm intending to do, nor is it about making passing judgment on my mom and the things that she went through and the reason why she stayed with my father and, and she continues to be with him. That's not the point of this story. The point is, is that I grew up in this environment and in a family structure where my nucleus family, not only just at home, my parents, but my grandparents, my aunt, my uncle, my cousins, my extended family knew what was going on in my household. And this was just not something that was talked about. And I'm going to tell you something. I'll never forget my paternal grandmother asking me at one point, because she used to pick me up from middle school. And she asked me at one point, how are things at home in Spanish? She told me, you know, ¿Cómo están las cosas en la casa? how are things at home? 
And I would, I told her, I said, you know, they're actually not really good. You know, dad is drinking a lot. He says really mean things to mom. You know, I was like just vocalizing what I had observed. And I will never forget this moment. She hunched down over to me and she said, that does not exist. That is not happening. So this woman is just hearing what I said, asked me the question, heard what I said, and then says, that doesn't happen or that's not happening. Almost like, so then I had this insurmountable doubt, like, okay, is this happening? Or am I making this a bigger deal than it was supposed to be? So what was normalized was the behavior that my dad exhibited, right? And so I didn't talk about it because you didn't talk about it. I didn't talk about it. And I'll never forget even like early on the first boyfriend I had, you know, I was like 13 years old. And, you know, I remember talking to him at night and saying, you know, this is what's happening at home. And he said to me at that time, I mean, he was like two years older than me. So he was like 15. And he's like, that's why are you making such a big deal out of things? People drink, you know, parents, our parents drink. And I was like, okay, so this was a second point in my life where people just normalized that this was happening. So therefore I took to coping with it in the normal way. You know, we had cycles in my household where, you know, when I was later in age, this was happening where, you know, things got pretty bad after high school and, you know, my mom would leave her a couple days. We would turn back. Everything would go back to normal. Those are the things that would happen, right? But growing up, we just put up with it. It would blow over my dad's fits and my dad's, you know, rages would blow over. But I will tell you that the moment that I made this badassery agreement was that I had enough. Like I could not take the shit anymore. So I remember I was a senior at in my undergraduate um, class in at FIU, I was a senior and I was taking one of my last summer class finals and it was in August. And I remember having been at home and my dad was drunk, he was wasted. He was um, in that state of mind where you just, you couldn't get through to him. But anything would set him off at that point, right? So a mess in the corner, um, whatever it was. And I don't remember what it was at that point, but I'm pretty sure that messes always would set him off. So, and usually the messes that he would create, mind you, but what have you, my mom would get home late from work, um, seven, 8 PM. And then, you know, they'd go at it, right. Whatever it was, he would, you know, my dad was, is very anxious about whatever it is, right. He always think that people are out to get him. And this is a very big trait of alcoholics is that it's like the world is against them. That's the, how they perceive the world to be. So what have you, whatever, whatever story that he was telling himself that day, they get into it. I'm in the room and I knew that what was going to happen next. So what was going to happen next was my mom was going to pick up her things. She was going to go over to my grandfather's house. The things would blow over and she'd come back after a couple of days when things settled down. For me, I was in the middle of a final. I told my mom, please go ahead. You know, I'll meet you there and then I'll, you know, that's it. I'll take care of it. And what ended up unfolding that night is that I'll tell you that one of the things that I used to do as a kid was I always used to bring my keys to the room and my purse to the room and I would always lock my door. That was something that I had this habit of doing. And that evening, my dad went 
ballistic. And he usually never got it with me. I mean, we would have, we would go at it every now and then. I would usually step in to the fights of my mother or my dad, or I would, I would, you know, referee at some point. Sometimes I didn't. I mean, these, these were things that I would go through. In that moment, my dad goes crazy. My door is locked and he is losing his shit, you know, cursing at me, telling me obscenities to get out the room and how disrespectful I am and like all these kind of things. And at that point, I, I had enough. I could not take it any more. And I thought to myself, I am not going to stand living at this house for another second. That is what I made that determination and I'm leaving. So I packed a bag, I got my keys and I left and I'll never forget. That was a Tuesday. And that Thursday I came back home to get some more things. And I had a conversation with my dad and I said, I'm not going to come back to this house to live again with you all. You know, he broke down and all that stuff, but these, this moment was, a that was the pinnacle moment for me where I just needed to get out. And I needed to really establish a plan on how to do so. You know, and I will tell you, P.S., this wasn't like one day to another. This was years and years of what me, of what was happening. And I had been working and I was already in the frame of mind of thinking that I was going to get out, right? So I was saving some money. I was in that, I was in that path anyway. This was just the breaking point of it of the plan being a little accelerated. And I will tell you that you're never going to always, you're the moment that you're ready to leap, take the risk, everything you can make it and you can plan for it as much as possible, but you are never going to have the perfect moment. Like you're not going to be like, okay, great. I have this amount of money and this is what's going to happen. There's, there might be a situation that you're going to run into where, you know what, the situation is greater than whatever plan that you had. Now, not to say that a, making a plan is not a smart idea. I think it is, especially if you have the intention of leaving or to do so. However, there is going to be moments in your life that perhaps an instance is going to prepare you uh, propel you to step forward and make the decision maybe a little sooner than you would have had to. And so in that particular case with what it is and what happened, I decided to make that agreement and wrote down, like I ended up leaving the house. I had gone over to my then boyfriend's home and, you know, that evening, you know, after many times of crying and that sort of thing, that evening, I, I started writing down the things that were important to me. You know, what assumptions am I making about my dad? Do I, you know, procrastinate? Have I procrastinated for this? You know, what are the things that I'm willing to risk at this moment? What are my priorities right now? What's most important to me? These are the questions that I mentioned earlier in the episode, but these are the questions that help me reflect on making an agreement with myself and never going back on it. Even the simple process of writing these things down made me feel better. Although the thoughts had rolled around in my head for years, the act of physically writing them down was profound. It made it real. I now had more than a dream or a wish. I had a plan. 
I made an agreement with myself and I was not going to let myself down. I will share with you that's a snippet of one of chapter one. And for me, this agreement or writing the act of writing it down was therapeutic. But I will tell you very candidly, I left my parents' home and it's not like I boom became a badass at that point. It took a lot of consistency. It took therapy. It took finding people that were like me through Al-Anon. It took really working on myself to be able to have the systems in place to be successful in being comfortable with now being on my own in the sense of not in my parents' house anymore. I wasn't alone, but not at my parents' house anymore, right? And you got to find what works best for you. What are those things that, because you're going to have moments of despair, you're going to have moments of doubt, but what are the systems, whether it's a friend, accountability buddies, a um, your agreement that you can read back on, you have to have ways for you to be able to go back to the why of why you decided to move on in the first place of whatever circumstance that you're in. So I'll share with you as far as the end of chapter one, a little bit of what you can take along with you when you are writing your agreement. So as you make this agreement, remember to always go back to your core questions. How do I want to live? What makes me happy? Who are the people in my life who support me unconditionally? Who are the people who don't? And as you are considering these questions, you may hear that little voice of doubt whispering, no, it isn't time. You aren't ready. You aren't good enough. It's time to shut that that voice up for good. And only you have the power to do that. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that is where incredible things happen. Once you write up your agreement, you need to read through it very carefully. Make sure that things you wrote down really are what you want. Then ask yourself, does it make sense for me? Are these changes and goals attainable, giving my cir- my current circumstances? Make revisions if necessary. Your final product should be something you are sticking with and holding yourself accountable to. And remember, always remember that these are not some New Year's Eve resolutions to be forgotten in a month or two. These are not short-term aspirations to have a good year. They are a long-term conditions to having a phenomenal life. And that, badasses, is a wrap. So, wow, we really swan-dived into very heavy things. And more importantly, I hope you give, it gives you the perspective you need to make your own badassery agreement. I can't wait to share or to really hear from you on what you felt were the most critical pieces in writing your own agreement. I do take the liberty at the end of chapter one to provide you a template of what this agreement could look like for you to keep with yourself at all times and you're able to reflect on it. I will tell you that I wrote those agreement terms on post-it notes. And I remember for a long time, I carried them with me in my wallet. And whenever I felt that moment of despair or doubt, I pulled them out and it kind of grounded me into the reason why I needed my plan to work 
and to move forward on that motivation that I needed to carry on. So I hope that for you in whatever space you're in, whether you're going through a transition, whether you've been thinking about making your great move to leave something that is toxic, something that no longer serves you, whatever the reason is, I hope that this episode has given you a little bit of a push to move forward on whatever it is that you desire to do. I will tell you, I could not go off the episode without sharing with you that if you do have people in your life or you know that there is something, someone going through a hard time, whether it's a family home environment, a structure that I just described, right? There's an alcoholic in the family or there's maybe a drug addict or they're going through something rough and you notice that they're off, bring it up. Don't deny it because I will tell you, I do remember the person that's going through that, the victim, and I hate using that word, but in a way it's a survivor. It's probably survivor is a better word. The person who's in the situation and they're going through that notices when people decide that they don't want to get involved. We notice, we know who you are, we see you. So if you see a person in your life that's going through a hard time, be there for them. Hold that space. There is a great amount of organizations that do incredible work. Thehotline.org is a national domestic violence hotline that people can call, feel safe, and get help. Refer your friends, your family, the person that you're seeing that's going through something to some of these resources. Recommend therapy is always a great way to get those things out. But I will say, first and foremost, see them for who they are, recognize that they're going through a hard time, and hold the space like, I'm here for you. Those simple words are things that are critical and people will remember. So I will tell you next week's episode of Building Badassery is diving into chapter two. We've built our agreement and now we are talking about a badassery mindset because I will tell you that when you are in the process of sustaining badassery, that is the whole thing is how do we sustain being a badass is you're going to have the mindset issues that, you know, dealing with disappointment, dealing with comparisonitis. These are all themes that we're going to dive into to help you sustain who you want to be. So I've had the pleasure of being your host. I'm Yanin San Luis. You can call me Yanni, the wind woman. And this has been another episode of Building Badassery.